1: Drafting with some sharks and a live friends and family draft. That's what we're going to be talking about today on this bonus episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretch. You can find my newsletter at With me as always is Sean Siegel. You can find all this great work of us And Sean, we are joining today a, a fantastic contest run by our friends over at Spike Week. We're going to be drafting against some of our favorite buddies, many of whom have been guests on the show before. In a in a Battle, uh, it's a 12-person private league, but it's going to be a battle for a lot of things because we've got a lot of like-minded people here. It's going to be a fun
2: challenge. It will. Bragging rights with this group is worth more than almost any prize, as I like to say from time to time. I don't know if anybody else likes it, but you can't buy glory. So we're looking forward to mixing it up with this gang in this underdog contest And one of the dynamics that we'll definitely see, as you mentioned, with the like-minded drafters, it'll be interesting to see who is able to kind of stick to their normal strategy and deploy that within this draft and who decides to kind of zig and zag and do something a little bit crazy. And then down the line, it'll be interesting to see which works.
1: Yep. And we drew the fifth pick, which is a really nice spot this year because there is sort of a top five. It gives us a, a, probably a nice opportunity to start. With a wide receiver, somewhat hilariously, our buddy Peter Overzet drew the 101 in this draft. He seems to get anyone who likes to watch his streams, he seems to get the 101 every single draft that he does. It is a running joke, and he got it again here. But yeah, Sean, we'll be competing with a lot of people that are willing to draft wide receiver heavy. That was another thing that I was kind of think, uh, alluding to in terms of all the things that we'll be competing for. We'll be competing to get to these structures that we like to get to. The 105 seems like a really nice spot to be assuming and it very well might happen that we don't see the top three receivers all go ahead of us and we might be looking at Christian McCaffrey at the 105.
2: That is possible. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, this is perfect. We'll see what Pete does for anyone following along on the spike week stream. It seems like there's at least a chance that he will take this opportunity uh, to select someone outside the first round in the name of diversification. But no, Ben, we we do get Cooper Cup as the first player off the board, and Davis comes back with Christian McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, very interesting. As the picks fly off quick in the the first round to see Jonathan Taylor fall all the way to 104. So this is going to be a fun draft. He goes off at 104 just before us. We take Justin Jefferson at 105. A really nice start. I think there's a strong argument for Justin Jefferson as the top receiver an interesting way of getting there where we, like I said, almost had Jonathan Taylor at the fifth pick, but I like starting with the receiver in this room. I like where we're at here.
2: Uh, should be a fun, fun way to you know, opportunity to build from, from this spot. I like Jefferson as well. That's the beautiful thing about the one Oh five. You really can't go wrong. Even if you have to take your fifth best player, that is a clear tier. And then at the one Oh six, Derek Henry, Nashi Harris, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Travis, Kelsey, Perhaps not a lot of big surprises here in the first round. This is the way we would expect the players to come off the board.
1: Yeah, but starting at 106, you can see a pretty clear teardrop. I think that top five is really solidifying right now. And we are approaching our second round pick now as things are moving very quickly. Gabriel Davis goes to Liam Murphy in the second round. Tyree Kill just went off the board at 207. We're up at 208. What do you What think in your Sean?
2: Well, for me, this comes down to Higgins or Barkley, a fun chance to reach on Higgins if we want to go that route. Also, your guy, A.J. Brown, which of the three do you prefer? Let's
1: go Higgins. I mean, I think I would take Brown over Higgins. I didn't realize Higgins ADP over here on underdog had actually risen ahead of Brown, which I'm seeing here. I think I'll have Brown. I have not completed my first set of rankings, but I do think I will have Brown ahead of Higgins when I get that opportunity. It is interesting to see Higgins flying up to the 208. Barkley flying up to the 208. We were getting him at the you know early third for a while. There goes Mike Williams at 212. I haven't been drafting as much as you know a lot of people right now. And uh, ADP is definitely, I would say, uh, solidifying and solidifying in a fairly sharp way. A lot of guys that are really interesting plays starting to get now steamed up to, into ranges where it's interesting. You you got to question it a little bit.
2: And Javante Williams, Kyle Pitts were the two players I have for our biggest targets here in round three at the 305. Williams does go at the 303, but Pitts is still there. Obviously a little bit different dynamic and underdog with the half PPR as opposed to the tight end premium. But Pitts right here just looks like a no brainer to me. You still have that advantage of a tight end to win the contest.
1: Yep. I was gonna say that as well. The construction advantage is so fantastic. We just did the the tight end show a couple of weeks ago where we kind of I, I, I you know I don't, I don't want to speak for you. I, I certainly came around to this idea that I wanted to have a lot of pits, you know, even if it was in the second round and tight end premium here at three oh five, there isn't a premium on on the tight end position, but Um, he's a fantastic, basically second year wide receiver that gets tight end eligibility. (laughs) You know, if you look at his numbers from a wide receiver lens, what he did as a rookie would make him a guy you'd want to target in the third round in half PPR as a second year wide receiver, much like a Jalen, you know, Jalen Waddle. I think he's sort of in that tier, but you get tight end eligibility. Uh, and I'm calling him a wide receiver because of course he's, he split out so much last year, but you know, uh, of course we did just discuss this a ton recently so sean there's been a lot of interesting picks so far some some really fun strategies some guys going and getting their guys we're cruising through the turn here and it's starting to get pretty wide receiver heavy as you start to load up the queue i just saw a few of our cued receivers go flying off the board including deontay johnson there we're about four picks away in the fourth round the 30 second clocks make it a little tougher to have you know a full conversation before a pick but we're certainly in this, you know, wide receiver wide receiver heavy room that we thought we would be in. Although our target there Travis Etienne just went off the board at 405. That was not a wide receiver, but a lot of the wide receivers going. What are you thinking here as we approach our pick in the fourth?
2: Well, DK Metcalf I think still has so much upside in any situation where the Seahawks add a quarterback it's going to be an absolute smash pick. I like Rashad Bateman. I mean, He's going to have just massive target volume. I don't have a problem with reaching for him. Brees Hall gives us that running back to anchor and allow us to go very wide receiver heavy in what we expect to be a Ooh. wide receiver heavy room.
1: Metcalf went ahead of us. I was going to agree with you on Metcalf. We've got about 20 seconds here. I'm very comfortable with taking Brees Hall as our RB1 here. I'm also comfortable with the reach on Bateman to, to get our third receiver in a, lead, in a room that we do expect to be very receiver heavy. And it keeps the zero RB going, you know?
2: It does. Is that direction you'd like to go?
1: I'm, I'm fine with Hall. I mean, if you want to do Hall, we can definitely go that route.
2: Well, James Conner and Ezekiel Elliott were still on the board. They have earlier ADPs. We don't necessarily expect them to go in this particular draft, but – Maybe they'll push Hall down to us. He's someone who has been falling a little bit. Very real chance he'll be there still in round five. I like having Bateman as someone who, if the Ravens pass a little bit more than is expected. I mean, right now we're starting to get some prices where it looks like drafters think this is going to go very much back in the direction of a run-heavy offense. Maybe it's a rational exuberance, but Bateman was the type of prospect where as the number one, Lamar Jackson playing well, those deep targets, along with getting the rest of the targets. I wouldn't be surprised if Bateman is a second round pick next year, which obviously we're in a draft in the fourth round right now. We kind of have to be thinking that that is a possibility.
1: I love it. Another of the the second year breakout wide receiver archetype we're looking for. We have two third year receivers that already broke out in year two in in justin jefferson and t higgins as well as pitts and bateman now to start a lot of our young talented you know strong prospect profiles where you know there's a little bit of skepticism from the market because they haven't shown it yet but we're more willing to say well they showed it in college and then they've shown it enough in a small sample in the pros that we actually feel like there is a longer track record here and the expectation should be that these guys take a step forward There's a lot of reasons to believe that a lot of great analysis has been done over at Rotovis that has shown why you should be trusting that type of step forward from from these types of players. So a lot of excitement there. We get through the turn. James Connor goes, Sean, this is a draft where at every pick I've been in these types of drafts over on ship chasing. We're going to have running backs well beyond ADP. That said, so it's almost a a mistake to ever take a running back ahead of ADP because you're going to have opportunities later. That said, Brees Hall still on the board as we approach our fifth-round pick. We'd be able to get him a half a round after ADP. I think I like that move if you're in on that.
2: I do. And Elliott, Cam Akers, the two backs ahead of him. We're in this range right now where Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney are the top wide receivers. None of those players really appeal to me at all.
1: Yeah, we're kind of to this range that we have – discussed a little bit where wide receiver, I mean, it's never as deep as people think it is and people say it is, but it's especially not deep this year. I mean, you get pretty quickly, you're still in in an interesting range. There are still interesting profiles here, but you get pretty quickly out of where you feel very comfortable with the profiles you're dealing with in the first three or four rounds into, you know, the Almond Ross St. Browns and some of those names where it's a, it's exciting, but it's a little bit, certainly there are some red flags and some concerns as well. So especially in a draft like this, it was nice to get the early receivers that we did. We
2: get Brees Hall. We stay very young. I'm really liking the team we're building. I do as well. And we do now see Elijah Moore, Ezekiel Elliott, Terry McLaurin go off the board. Moore would have been the next guy, I think, who is very dynamic. You potentially get that second year leap. And yet Garrett Wilson is, such a less expensive way to play him, you've got to look at that as a possible option to make sure that very least you don't reach for more. We talked in our show about the different positional strategies that we have or our positional draft plan that we want to gain exposure to these players and these teams at the least possible price. Definitely. And I see as we approach our sixth round pick, you're once again loading up
1: the queue with wide receivers. I love that move. I want to continue to make sure we do not miss out on the wide receivers when you get into these more efficient drafts where wide receivers go off the board it's not a zig where other people are zagging type of situation to me it is a lean into it swerve into it take receivers in the first round take receivers in the second and third if you have to get your receiver depth still there's a reason that building your your roster that way structurally makes sense you can always hit on late running but i mean not always obviously i understand that there. are challenges but in terms of building really strong rosters getting the late running backs to couple with the the early receivers is just such a nice there's just so many ways that can that can pan out positively when you get boxed out of the wide receiver position it can be very tricky so we're looking at devonta smith brandon au hunter renfro you have Traylon Burks down towards the bottom of your queue he's one of the guys that i like the most here what are you thinking
2: about him well, Ben, it, it sounds like if you read the reports that uh, he's he's not even practicing with his current conditioning issues. He might not
1: be uh, even playing on the field. I mean, these are mid-June reports. I, I've seen them as well. I didn't think you of all people would be spooked by those, but apparently you are.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, Traylon Burks is going to get a ton of targets. You'd have to assume something has dramatically shifted from his Arkansas days where he put himself in position to be drafted where he was as one of, if not the best prospects in this entire draft. And the other dynamic we have going here is the quarterbacks are not necessarily dropping. Do you want to select Joe Burrow here in the sixth. We can stack him with, uh,
1: with T Higgins. I like that move. We'll go ahead and get that Cincinnati stack. we went, Early on Higgins, we made a bet in the second round on T Higgins. If T Higgins hits, I feel very confident in Jamar Chase. And, and so that T Higgins bet to me is a bet on Joe Burrow having a very strong season. It makes him a good pick in the sixth round. It's like you've already decided that Burrow is better than than this ADP. Or put differently, once you take Higgins, as you're looking at your options, you're almost raising the projection of Joe Burrow later in, in your draft or raising the, the cost of him or, or where you'd be willing to take him because, again, On any any given draft, you are 8.3% to win. You're trying to improve your odds to win. When you make the bet on Higgins, to make that a bet that improves your odds to win, it correlates very strongly, obviously, with the Joe Burrow bet. So that, I think, was a very nice stack as well for a ton of other reasons uh, in terms of all the Week 17 stacking things that, that we hear about so much these days. But, Sean, what are you thinking these thirty-second clocks. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm trying to give you time to kind of scroll through the different positions. It's a, it's tougher on underdog for us to have our our full back and forth conversations. But I'm, I'm watching what you're doing here in the queue. Sky Moore still sitting there. Hunter Renfro as well. And you're looking at some QBs as well, potentially hitting both in the window and getting done
2: and getting out. I like the idea of Trey Lance here. You have in there. So this will be Lance in the seventh. It'd be interesting to see if he does go early. Do you want to make sure we get more here? Gage and Kirk both have earlier ADPs, but they're less fun. Yeah, let's Let's take Sky. So then now we have Jefferson, Higgins, Bateman, Moore. We have the four wide receivers. We've got a little bit of depth that gives us flexibility to take values to other positions. We have Burrow to go with Higgins. We've got Hall as an anchor running back. We have Kyle Pitts for the elite tight end. Things are coming along very nicely, and now we want to be—I mean, we want to be fun. But we want to be consistent and execute the rest of the way through because we built the type of early lineup that should allow us to be successful.
1: Yeah, I love that, and I bet you. bime for here takes Lance, our buddy over from Spike Week, who put this all together. Uh, he is a big train Lance guy. I would not expect it to get past him twice and get back around to us um, to where we could grab Lance. But we'll have other options to get our second quarterback. He goes Russell Gage. The wide receiver fear is real in this draft. I I don't often see Russell Gage in the seventh round. I'm not a big
2: fan of that pick. The trickiest part for me with Gage is that he will likely get squeezed at the point of the season where you need him the most, but he could really carry you early, especially when defenses are, are keying on Mike Evans. I mean, Evans... Is priced at a level where it's going to be difficult for him to meet that. I understand the reason for the enthusiasm, but playing it with Gage, playing it with Gronkowski, I kind of like those as contrarian types of picks, even though I mean it's not that contrarian with Gage going at the right. 82nd overall pick. Some other names still there at wide receiver. Alan Lazard, we talked a little bit about him in the I just can't get behind the seventh round. There goes Lance to mine for him on the, on the way back. He played it beautifully. Other wide receivers on the board, Alan Lazard, Chris Olave. I have us with Garrett Wilson as a possible selection. Chase Claypool, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, another guy we could go with, get very Cincinnati heavy.
1: Wilson going even this far behind Scott Moore is, is alarming. And, and we do see by takes for Lance. That option is off the board uh, on the way back to us. I, I mean, I think Wilson, I like Boyd. I, I really... Like Rondell Moore, who you also have in the queue there, but that might be one we can wait till the ninth round on. But is there a good reason why Wilson should go this far behind the other first, you know, top like big three receivers from dynasty season, Traylon and Drake Leonard? I mean, there's clearer path to immediate volume for those guys, but people are worried about Elijah Moore because
2: of Wilson. Why is Wilson falling so so far? Yeah, I don't think that there is a. I've been drafting Wilson ahead of Moore in all of my leagues and only taking Moore sort of as a consolation prize if he comes back. I mean, I think this is a no-brainer right here.
1: Yeah, let's do it. It's not – I mean, that's one that I did not expect to come back to us. And I thought when we took Sky Moore, I was very excited to get him. But one interesting thing is anytime you're taking him ahead of Garrett Wilson, it is an aggressive move. That's what ADP is dictating right now. But Wilson is a very good prospect in his own right. And it's just so interesting to see how he can just slide and slide, even in a, in a wide receiver heavy room. He goes after Alan Lazard and Robert Woods were the two receivers just prior to that Garrett Wilson pick. And Claypool immediately after. So, so Sean, structurally, we have one quarterback, one tight end, one running back, and five receivers through eight rounds. That's not surprising. What are you thinking as we approach the ninth round, the 10th round, the 11th round, the 12th round? Obviously, we want to try to get another QB in the QB window. We would like to close out one of the quarterback or tight end positions to where we feel comfortable having just two on our roster. And then at a certain point, we're going to start to need to hit some of these 0RB targets as well. What are you
2: thinking over these next couple of rounds? Yeah, quarterbacks are going to be a priority. It does give us a little bit more flexibility. Kirk Cousins is not someone I've been drafting, but... Because we have Justin Jefferson, it becomes a little bit more interesting as long as we don't overpay. There are some running backs here who are going to start to get ridiculously inexpensive, although we expect that trend to continue. I have Ken Walker. You know, We don't want to get too rookie heavy, but uh, he's just such an appealing prospect. Devin Singletary, Ronald Jones, some guys we can get a little bit later. So we're on the clock here. Derek Carr, Justin Fields, Cousins are all options. Do you have a different player that you want to look at. I think the wide receivers at this point are all. I I
1: like the quarterback move. Whichever one you prefer, it seems like probably Carr would would be your preference. I don't mind not stacking here. This is a 12 team private league. It's not like we're trying to, to win a massive
2: contest here. Carr seems like a really nice value there. So we take Derek Carr. We're counting on Devontae Adams, having that big season with him. Darren Waller coming back as a star. I've spoken with some people, that i have a lot of respect for recently who basically I, I liked what they told me because they told me what i want to believe which is that Devonte adams and derek carr are going to be big this season so we're always predisposed to, <laughs> to accept the commentary that we were on board with anyway ben the top i believe eight players currently in the by adp maybe the top nine are running backs so again what we expected to have happen is happening I like our setup with a lot of wide receivers and Brees Hall.
1: It is a very rookie-heavy draft or, or youth-heavy draft, if you will. Justin Jefferson and, and T. Higgins are the elder statesmen in our wide receiver room, a couple of third-year players that we drafted a couple second-year players, and we drafted some rookies. It is a, a fun team. I'm really enjoying the way this is coming together. It does open up the case for you know, a few backdoor veteran Wide receivers, you're adding Jarvis Landry and DJ Chark to the queue right now. A couple of the classic bananas, uh, targets there. I mean, especially Landry is a guy that we're going to be comfortable taking
2: at any point. You know, just how amazing a let a value Jarvis Landry is that I can get back on board with him after what happened in the second half of week 17 last year. But he is that good of a value, the early reports out of New Orleans, suggest that he has been, well, the guy there. Perhaps I'm just making that up then, but I I do believe that. I
1: mean, I just saw a report that, or, or a, a video of Michael Thomas rehabbing, and Edwin Porras from Fantasy Points mentioned that if this is where you're at two years after, you know, the injury, and this is where you're at rehabbing-wise, that's, that's I mean, I, I, that was sort of his comment i don't really know what to say is sort of what he said on twitter but the video was him sort of hopping on one foot and not able to put much weight on his other foot
2: yeah no that's not a good situation to be in so we lose ben for a bit and i am on my own that gives me the opportunity to immediately jump out and select Devin singletary who is my favorite pick at this juncture we have some other running backs like kareem hunt Still there. Damian Harris still available. Chase Edmonds available, but Singletary gives us a lot of upside to go with Hall. After we get that heavy wide receiver start where we have Jefferson Higgins, Bateman, Moore and Wilson, we want to move back in the direction of getting some balance at the running back position. We're now into the double digit rounds where that is an important factor. The wide receiver values obviously are absolutely terrible. Something else we'll be looking at here will be our second tight end so the top guys currently Pat Fryermuth, Mike Gesicki, Robert Tanyan. I'm probably looking more down at the Cole Komet, Albert O range for this particular team so we'll look at those guys as they start to come through. It has come back around quickly We're two picks away Hunt and Ramondre Stevenson goes off to Davis Matic. This will be A little bit of a tricky one here. Is it time to reach and land DJ Chark? Do we want to get Joshua Palmer while Ben is otherwise indisposed? Sneak a pick in on him at that point, or do we want to take another one of these elite running back values? I think it's going to be difficult not to select Ronald Jones, especially knowing that Patrick Corain is in this draft. Chase Edmonds, the 11th, three daigle is now on the clock we'll see if he grabs jones ahead of us the tight ends are not going so we have a little bit more time i think to round that part of the squad out he selects melvin gordon i'm going to grab ronald jones as ben and and pat are on the stream together over there at spike week right now hopefully they're having a good time with that Mike Kosicki, Alexander Madison, the next two guys, then James Cook taking the opposite play of our Singletary selection. I'm still pretty intrigued by Chark. We're now into the 130s, which makes his ADP in the 150 range not look as bad when you look at the shape of this draft in particular. A few of the other names that we have here, George Pickens, David Bell, KJ Hamler, all guys we might have to take much, much earlier than they normally go. Damian Pierce, Rashad White, the top running backs available, Naheem Hines, Isaiah Spiller. So a couple of those rookies who could be starters, could be backups. Daryl Henderson available, Michael Carter available to put with Brees Hall, if we want. Then you are back with us. We are now five picks away. Unfortunately, Albert O has been drafted. Do you have some thoughts on the second tight end here? I think with Pitts, we want to go with a two tight end build unless a crazy value falls to us. Tanya in the top guy by ADP, but Cole Komet, I'm more interested in. He goes to Peter Overzepp, probably not a surprise there. Then Hunter Henry, David Njoku, Tyler Higbee. And we all know you're waiting on Gerald Everett right after that. Right. <laughs> Gerald Everett, Noah Fant, those two guys just hitting in every draft. We're going to be pick 149. Those where are we at struck? Okay, we're at 2361 structurally. We could still use
1: at least one more receiver, correct? I, I I really like grabbing David Bell here. Who you have
2: in the queue? Is that too much you think at this point? No, we're going to want to be with seven wide receivers. And so we could go with him. He does have that week nine by which surprisingly in this particular draft we have not selected a wide receiver with that by we've got a bunch of guys with the week 10 by so let's go with david bell here you and i both expect him (laughs) right one more rookie we expect him to be i expect him to be the guy who leads cleveland in receiving it's going to be tricky depending on who their quarterback actually is we don't want to go into too much detail in this element of it i've been trying to You know, withhold really any takes on it because you just don't know what's happened. But at this point, it looks like I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to play this season. That part for me probably does hurt David Bell a little bit. But I mean, he's just too good a player. If this offense is going to work at all, it's going to have to go through him. I mean, Amari Cooper at this point in his career is more or less just a guy. They don't have other players. We know they'll try and rely on Nick Chubb, but you do need one other guy to go with him.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Yep. And there's not a lot there. And the early reports are that bells look fantastic. Hasn't dropped a ball. Looks just like we would expect from a guy who had the production profile profile that he did in college. So, Definitely love grabbing him while his price is still pretty darn cheap in the 13th round of a very wide receiver heavy draft. You also have KJ Hamler sitting there. I expected him to, they have similar ADPs. I expected them both to go before we got back up if we didn't take one there. Do you think we should go eight receivers here?
2: We can, and it'll give us a little bit more leverage against all of the wide receiver value. But our buddy Pat Curran just took him, unsurprisingly, as you said, with the the earlier pick from pete (laughs) anybody's name is daily rojo you know they're going to make the best picks in the draft i think Wandale robinson is the receiver who would kind of be that last guy if we want to go that route at some point unfortunately kenny gainwell did go he was the running back i really wanted to add to the build at this juncture running back even though it's a a wide receiver heavy draft does dry up and so i do like the fact that we have singletarian jones but we're going to need to make really four more good selections down the stretch at that position. Before we get to that, it probably makes sense to add either Everett or Fant. Yep. I like
1: that. Let's get our tight end solved. We've never cared about running back.
2: Ben, do you prefer your Seahawks player here? I mean, he was good in a horrible situation in Denver, or do you want to take the elite quarterback mix with Everett? I don't have a strong preference.
1: I'll, I'll let you pick. We're running low on the clock. What I was going to say, I mean, from a player perspective and my early offseason take has been fan, um, just immediately like this is the guy that can still break out. I feel really great about him. We know he had this great profile. He fits the things that we talk about. I just finished the Seahawks projection today as I'm starting to work through my projections. And I mean, it's just like it doesn't look good. <laughs> like nothing in Seattle looks good. The play volume was horrible last year. You know the efficiency has to get worse for all of the receiving options without Russell Wilson, and now potentially going from a very efficient quarterback to one of the one of the worst efficient to what we would expect to be one of the lowest efficiency passing games with guys like Geno Smith and and Drew Locke potentially at quarterback. And then the other really interesting thing to me, at least, was that over the last couple of years since uh, DK Metcalf has been drafted, no third receiving option in Seattle has had even uh, has had more than 63 targets. Everett had 63 last year as the third weapon in Seattle. Prior to that, no one had more than 60. I think it's possible, obviously for Fant as good as he is to step in and and see a lot of targets. But when I was doing my projection, I I think I projected him for 85 or something. I mean, certainly more than that, but there is a scenario where this is a run heavy team. And then, then when, when they throw, they throw very frequently to DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. So, What does that leave for
2: Fant? It is a tricky spot for Fant now. So yeah, I'm comfortable with our Everett pick there. I think that that element in terms of throwing to the tight end will actually expand this season. So I'm not as concerned about that, although it is a factor. I do think that Fant is just so good that he will carve into the wide receivers. But we did take Everett there. It was a situation, at least in part, where I had him opened up, and so I knew that's what our draft was going to be as we ran out of time anyway. Vant is still here. Do you have any interest in kind of breaking the build and taking a third tight end? Our other options are to move to running back. The top guys that I have, Marlon Mack, Brian Robinson, Samir White, Sonny Michelle. I, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't
1: expect us to take a third tight end here, but I'm okay taking him as opposed to those running backs. Certainly, I think he's... Got more upside than that. I mean, I I agree with you that he's going to cut into them. Uh, Again, I mentioned that I was projecting him for like eighty something targets, at least like twenty more than anyone has had over the last few years. It's just tough in an offense that is run heavy, that tends to be very concentrated as well. Because we see these lower volume offenses be concentrated, and this offense could be. There's also elements where, like you know, there's contingency value if if Tyler Lockett especially has had some injury stuff at times. If he were to miss, as he gets a little bit older, if he were to miss some time. You know, Noah Fan could then be one of the top two options. There's a lot of ways this can play out favorably. I agree with you. He's a very talented player, and and I hadn't been thinking about going three tight end here, but I like the move. We now have three very talented tight ends, and with a clear two quarterback build, I think we had the flexibility to do, to do that.
2: And one of the things here too is the two tight end with the elite tight end staying at that is going to be a little bit more dynamic for you in all likelihood. In a tournament. Now, and you can talk about if Noah Fant goes out and does some of the things we think he can do, even in a tournament, I and mean, he could be the guy who wins it for you. When we're trying to be the top team in this 12 person league. That three tight end build is going to really help us. And so I like that portion of it, especially because these running backs, in all likelihood, are not going to be true difference makers. We are going to have to select three of them anyway. Mac, the potential starter in Houston. Brian Robinson, someone that Washington really loves and may kind of unfortunately eat into a lot of the work for Antonio Gibson. Zamir White getting buzzed as potentially even the starter right away, that they just prefer him to Josh Jacobs. Obviously, a new brain trust in place there, not tied to Jacobs. Sonny Michel, someone who blew up down the stretch last season and has some value in that complicated Dolphins backfield that we profiled in our most recent episode of ceiling bananas how do these guys look to you do you have preferences in terms of either floor or ceiling or just a guy that you think is a clear breakout option late James Robinson Jamal Williams McKissick Mostert Foreman McKinnon Haskins Ingram you really like Mac here huh I'm a, we can go that route let's let's I do don't love any of the players yeah <laughs> so we will go with marvin marlon mack i he was an underrated player in indianapolis before the injury the expectation of him being dynamic early in the season last year wasn't fair based on the timeline for achilles recoveries they're gonna have some guys touch the ball in houston they have to damian pierce probably not a star probably not an immediate starter there are some good things to his profile, but one of the things that some of his advocates have joked with me about is that in the introductory press conferences, they referred him as a special teams guy, which is not exactly putting him out there as, okay, this is going to be the savior of our rushing offense from that perspective. At this point in the draft, I think you have to consider Mac, but I mean, you're talking about drafting a Texans running back here. You and I discussed the fact that James Robinson, probably not really a guy who we would expect to contribute a lot
1: I did see a note after that that was from a Jaguars beat reporter that was talking about him, his recovery being the key to their offense this year. So maybe I was, a, I, I thought maybe I was a little bit harsh on our last show about him not having a shot to come back. I mean,
2: where I don't think, I don't know if I got your opinion on that on the last show. Where are you at on that? It's just hard, right? I mean, you're not going to be the same guy and they're going to need ETN's dynamism. I think he could play. I think in the future he's going to be very good again, especially when the team probably won't be dynamic, won't deliver the ball to the goal line that much. It's hard to see how a limited version of him is going to be much of a fantasy factor.
1: Right. I I think there's this possibility again, I was kind of questioning this idea that he could be a late season hammer. There's this possibility he could come back and be good late. I just recall a lot of our conversations were off the Achilles it's usually two years, right? And we're talking about this being within a twelve-month window that he would have to be good to be a late-season hammer because he got hurt very late. He got hurt basically, I think, is week seventeen last year, if I'm not mistaken. So you're going to need him back within a year and playing at a high level and producing. And that's to me, again, I still kind of stand by the the, the, the low probability element of that. Ben Samir White or Sony Michelle here. I would take Michelle. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't love the Las Vegas situation with Josh Jacobs, with Kenan Drake, with I think Brandon Bolden's going to probably play the sort of James White role in the Josh McDaniels offense. They brought him over from New England. He played it last year. Isn't Jalen Rashard still on, on the roster? I mean, I know they like Zemir White. They went and drafted him, but it's a it's a loaded roster. Is there a reason to believe any of those guys might get cut? I mean, certainly like Rashard but what is, is like Kenyon Drake a cut candidate that I'm missing?
2: I think Kenyon Drake is a sort of release, not release, but a trade where you take most of his money on candidate. I mean, they have Amir Abdullah, they have Brandon Bolden, they they just have so much depth there. It really is a matter of you would need to think that kind of with your last round pick that he's actually the starter and the offense is dynamic. I mean, if this group with Derek Carr and those receivers take them down to the goal line a lot and white is the goal line back or, you know, the 50 50 back with Jacobs, then in the last round, it gets pretty interesting and it's kind of a a matter of balancing again here, what the other options are. I think that Chris Evans is probably a dark horse, zero rb option this obviously isn't a tournament but if you're looking to draft unique players in tournaments joe mixon if something were to happen there you're talking about chris evans being an elite athlete not a great producer in the past but an elite athlete in potentially the most explosive offense in the nfl again you don't necessarily know that he's even going to be the guy over samaj P. ryan but there would be some potential value there there's a lot of buzz around him i mean he definitely was the
1: more he was effective as a pass catcher last year, and then PRN was very good. But the backup that would lean more towards our you know, high-value touch profile that we'd be looking for, and, and I love him. I mean, I love adding him when we have Burrow and we have Higgins and we've made these bets on the Bengals. He makes perfect sense. I liked your comments on White. For the for any listeners that I may have confused, Richard is already long gone from from the Raiders. I, I forgot that that was earlier really this offseason. And if Drake does get cut... Then you're talking about just basically Jacobs White and Bolden. I mean, they do have Amir Abdullah now, but uh, yeah, I, I could see the the upside case with him as well.
2: When we're talking about depth charts, you really have to climb. You need multiple injuries, but a guy who has actually seen that happen in the past and delivered, you have to Ernest Johnson here. Sometimes those players can be overvalued the following season because we kind of think back well it happened before it'll happen again there are two stars in front of him that's pretty tough Hassan Haskins might be more interesting as the likely direct backup to Derek Henry if Henry goes down possibly a huge workload there
1: I like all four I mean I I agree with you on on Dernis and Haskins but Evans really does seem like the best fit for for this team and
2: we'll go with him here and that'll close us out right it will we have 18 guys we have the build that we were looking for Two QBs, six running backs, seven wide receivers, three tight ends. We took that third tight end to get a player we think is an extreme value. We were able to get wide receivers in that range where they were flying off the board. At the very least, the first three backs are interesting. So then we finish up with Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Rashad Bateman, Sky Moore, Garrett Wilson, DJ Chark, David Bell as our wide receiving core that's the strength of our team we do get a few rookies in there but we're not extraordinarily rookie heavy we like to be very young these guys have the potential to outperform draft position even with T Higgins being drafted early he's got that shot you look at the tight ends that's another real strength we have Kyle Pitts and then Gerald Everett and Noah Fant late the QB position I like a lot As we have joe burrow to go with higgins and then we have derek carr a player who yeah he's drafted much more aggressively than he was last season but is now in the perfect environment to really blow up his passing yardage last year was extremely impressive if he can add touchdowns he'll be a value the interesting part and it's interesting despite this being a wide receiver heavy draft we still do have a zero rb slash modified zero rb we always talk about how it's not necessarily zero rb until you have four wide receivers and one tight end before your first running back but the only running back we have early is Brees hall in round five we wait until round 10 to go devin singletary then ronald jones marlon mack sony michelle chris evans i like that group too at the very least this is a fun team and as a team i wouldn't necessarily have expected us to be able to draft with this particular mix of managers because we have so much overlap with them in terms of what we want to do.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because it was very wide receiver heavy. And yet I think, and this is something we talk about with zero RB sometimes. I think we may have outlasted them a little bit. We still got some strong receiver values in the 12th and 13th round when some of the other drafters started to succumb to the running back value that was sitting there. We talked about how there was running backs going way behind ADP and so you do want to make those picks, and, and you should. I'm not saying that we necessarily outdrafted everybody or anything like that, but the reason that we feel comfortable about this, I think, if you want to look at it analytically, is probably that we ended up being even later with our running backs. You know, We took three to close out the draft in the final three rounds, even though there was running back value all throughout, continuing to hit receiver targets that we wanted to hit, be strong there, also making smart picks at quarterback to get two in the window, making smart picks at tight end, getting pits early, getting two very good tight ends later. We didn't really necessarily want to do the three tight end build, but went with it sort of as the draft fell that way. I think it's a fun draft. And yeah, I mean, I think the key really is that we just were willing to continue to wait at
2: running back as long as as possible. And that doesn't always work in these drafts, obviously, but it did fall nicely for us. We'll see at the end of the season if a couple of our favorites in Devin Singletary and Ronald Jones are really worth the pub. Obviously, the newest addition to the Kansas City Chiefs, Jarrett McKinnon. Now you have him in the mix. We had this big discussion about Darrell Williams and how that was going to play out, not only in terms of how it would affect the Chiefs with him leaving, but the Cardinals with him arriving. McKinnon coming back here, it seems to put this in a situation where Ronald Jones is – uh, almost the only back that you would expect to have significant fantasy production in Kansas City this season. I
1: like that take. I mean, I don't think McKinnon's good for Ron Jones. He's not good for anyone, but Jones is a different type of back, right? And so McKinnon's probably worse for CEH, and Jones is the guy that would handle the majority of the between-the-tackle stuff if you were forecasting it.
2: That'll do it for this episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretchen. You can follow at Yards Per Gretch. We appreciate all of you guys sharing through the draft with us. We're gonna have a lot more of these. You can sign up to do drafts at underdog with the coupon code RotoViz. As I mentioned from time to time, I like that one because it is an easy one to remember. I don't screw that one up. You can always also join us over at the site, get a 10% discount using the coupon code rvradio radio, 2022 at checkup. That'll get you a 10% discount to a one year subscription. Make sure you sign up for Ben's newsletter. You don't want to miss that this summer. Stealing signals is the best. We love it when you guys sign up for the feed. You get these bonus episodes like this one as soon as they come out. Leave us a rating and review. Just refresh it if you don't want to dive in and leave a new one or if you're a super fan and you've left one before and you still want to help us with the algorithm. All of those things are great. We appreciate you guys. We love you. We'll talk to you soon.